2: Hi, my name is Hi, my name is Chicka Chicka Tyrox. This is episode 114 with Bree Sealy. Today's episode is brought to you by Fiverr.com, and I love these guys. Fiverr.com gives you instant access to millions of creative and professional services from people who love what they do. So if you ever need to get your work done and you have limited time or budget, these are the people to get it done. In fact, this podcast was created by many things from Fiverr. The intro and outro music, Fiverr.com. The logo for UID Media, Fiverr.com. A lot of the editing that I've done with the podcast has also been from Fiverr.com. So if you're looking for people to, to really help out with your internet marketing, help you improve your search engine optimization, and a host of various other things, all you need to do is search through the wide variety of talent and find the best seller for you. Make an order in one click and you're done. It's easy to get your work done on time and under budget. With over 150 categories of services offered, you will always find what you're looking for. I mean, there's literally everything that you can find there. I've seen people go sell ads or even stuff like tattoos um, on there. So you never know what you can find, but it's always great promo for your stuff. Sign up to Fiverr.com, that's F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Use promo code NOMADS and get 20% off your first purchase. Fiverr.com, any digital service in just one click. Now, on to the episode.
0: Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tio Roxas.
2: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. Today's guest is the lovely and beautiful Bree Sealy. Bree is a multi-talented and passionate entrepreneur that accomplishes a mission through coaching, writing, speaking, designing, hosting events, and many, many more things. Her career began as an entrepreneur um, in the women's fashion line. And despite numerous accolades, awards, honors, and, and fashion, um, you know, Fulfilled accolades, her heart and passion weren't in it anymore. So she decided to pivot and go into a different direction, and um, she launched a you know inspirational woman project. After mourning her heartbreak, which is as she likes to joke about, was fashion fashionable? The fashionable heartbreak. She reemerged as a magnetic force, visionary leader, and voice for women in the world. So she now speaks, writes, and mentors to inspire women to connect a unique passion and live. A purposeful life welcome to the show Brie
1: hi how's it going
2: <laughs> it is going well it's going well I you know it, it was when I was reading your bio I, I um, it I couldn't help but read it in two chapters you know how uh, there are several books where you have like volume one volume two and your first yeah. volume was the fashion aspect and the second was the you know inspiring woman so I'm very curious about how you got started why fashion initially then how you decided to pivot
1: So fashion was something that was with me from a really young age. Like, I was raised by a single mom, and I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house. So to entertain me as a child growing up, my grandma would teach me, like, things to do to kind of keep me out of her hair, right? (laughs) And one of the things that she taught me was to sew. So at the age of seven, I learned how to sew. And I was sewing. You know, I started off with, like, pillowcases, which are square, essentially, and Barbie sleeping bags, which are square, all straight lines. And, you know, it evolved into me pulling my mom's patterns off the shelf and mixing and matching the sleeves from one with the bodice of another with the skirt from another and kind of like creating my own stuff to going into high school and making my own prom dress to going into college and majoring in fashion design, spending a year in Italy and then moving back to Italy to get my master's degree as well. Mm -hmm. And so all of this, you know, the first whatever, 20 years of my life were all centered around fashion. And so that's, in my mind, the only perspective I had of, like, that was my path. So I ended up moving to a small town outside of Seattle uh, when I was 22 and didn't have opportunity for fashion, so I just started my own line and had a ton of fun with it. It grew very quickly. It grew very powerfully. It helped me relocate to Los Angeles, and I loved Loved, loved it. Um, until last year, I was facing some frustrations because my brand was all about helping women to be women. What does that look like? How do you dress as a woman? For so long, we've had to dress like men in the world to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean to dress like a woman? And I found I got a lot of pushback because women are not were not yet comfortable embodying that for themselves. And so I launched the Inspirational Woman Project on accident. Totally was supposed to be like a 31-day blog. I launched it on my 31st birthday. It was, you know, 30 women plus myself talking about what it means to be a woman. And it quickly, within a week, uh, spiraled into me starting to write for the Huffington Post. Within two months, I was on the Today Show. I was launching a Kickstarter, writing my first book, self-publishing, all these things, and so once that was done, I tried to go back to fashion at the beginning of this year. I did a new collection, got it all photographed, everything was ready to go, had a sales rep. And woke up one morning and was like, I just don't care. <laughs> like, I just, I, I could walk away from my fashion business now and be okay with that. And I did. I meditated on it that morning. It was a Saturday morning, and by Tuesday, I put my entire new collection online and the following day that Wednesday, I announced that I was shutting down my brand.
2: Wow, wow yeah and, and um I, I know you said it was heartbreaking initially um but you felt like it was time you, you know you, your heart wasn't isn't anymore.
1: Yeah, and that was the really hard thing was you know what something that had defined me for so long wasn't part of who I was anymore and I think the hard thing for me is I'm a very 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 concrete person I didn't know what was on the other side like the only messaging I had received was that it wasn't fashion but I didn't know what I was moving into and so I was in this kind of like a limbo state of like uh, okay so it's not fashion but I don't know what's next so now like what do I do with this place
2: (laughs) okay well so what is next
1: So that's kind of when I was like, all right, well, the Inspirational Woman Project felt good. Interviewing 99 women felt great. Every single day I got to get up and look at my calendar and see who I was talking to that day. Mm. And so I kind of started with that. Like, that felt really good, talking to women and inspiring women to connect with their hearts and tell their stories. Like, that felt really good. So what would that look like if I were to take that to the next level? Wow. And so it was at that point that I was like, all right, well, I'll start volume two of the Inspirational Woman Project. So I'll I'll keep that momentum going a little bit and stay in that that space and that energy. And then started unfolding, you know, the universe kind of like started knocking on my door a little bit. I would have like a woman reach out to me and say, do you mentor women? Like, I love to see what you've done and how you've created your life. Do you teach other women how to do this? And I was like, no, I don't. (laughs) And then a few weeks later, another little nut came that was like, do you do coaching? And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't. And then, you know, like a week later, or so, and I was like, okay, so apparently women are asking this of me. They want to know how I've created my life to be powerful and remarkable. And so I decided to start coaching. And, you know, I'd worked with business coaches for a significant amount of time. And, and so I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to use what I've learned to teach other women to do the same thing, um, and so that's kind of when, like you said, I turned that chapter into that next phase of my of my story and of my life.
2: You, you know, it's it, listening to your story; it's, it's 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 very similar to to mine and a lot of entrepreneurship stories where you get to a point where you're not passionate about what you're doing, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and you, and then there's that 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 it's always like the hero's journey where you have to be brave enough to take. Take a leap of faith into what that what's next, and even if you don't even know what it is, and it yeah. sounds like you know with you, you you enjoyed interviewing women, you knew there was a passion there. Your passion had shifted, um, and people started asking services of you. They were like, "Well, do you coach? Do you do this?" And then your business model started to form from that because you were being who you are was something that appealed to a lot of your your now target market, and it was just a yeah. matter of you building that business around it. What do you say to entrepreneurs who are dealing with that that struggle of uh, ambiguity and, and you know, uncertainty, whether, you know, even if they've built a personal brand, they're like, well, it's not making any money, you know. I know people love it, but what am I going to do, you know. It's good to have all this press, but I still got to pay the bills.
0: What do you totally. say to them? Totally,
1: yeah. I mean, so I think it's kind of a two-part thing. I would say the first thing is um, really getting clarity, like, just because it's something that you're good at and that you enjoy, like, is that what you're supposed to be doing with your life right now? And so, one of the things I really encourage for my women is to um, meditate and or visualize um, and really connect with like one of the the most powerful meditations I do with any anyone is it's called the future you meditation. So essentially, you you meditate and you interview your future self. Hmm. And it can it can reveal a lot of insights in terms of, you know, what's important to my future self? What beliefs does my future self live by? What kind of actions does she take every day? And really um, you know, essentially getting the answers from the future instead of trying to create your life from the present. And then the other thing I always like to remind people of, and this is something that I totally, you know, stumbled upon, is that I always thought that, you know, being an entrepreneur was very like solid and stable. So I'm I'm into astrology. I'm a quintuple Taurus, which means that I am like earth sign. I'm a grounded earth sign to the max. Hmm. And so for me, I always saw it as being a very like stable, concrete thing. And what I've come to realize over the past year is that entrepreneurship is very fluid. It's more like water and it's more of a journey. And just because you start in one spot as an entrepreneur doesn't mean that's where you end as an entrepreneur, or even where you where you where you continue to. I,
2: I think one of the biggest mistakes that first time entrepreneurs made—I've certainly made this because uh, it's been my my journey—is you you think that pivoting sometimes can be a bad thing. You're like, oh, I'm losing my focus. But sometimes I, I think it's just an evolution of who you are and what the business is. Because you can't um, yeah. you can't stay stagnant sometimes, especially with how fast. The world is moving. And, and, you know, if if you're not able to evolve with a purpose, not just changing and without a foundation, um, it can be detrimental to your business in the long run um, if you're stubborn to a fault in that regard. And I
1: think that for me, that's where my heartbreak came in Mm -hmm. because it wasn't. It wasn't just heartbreak. It was a little bit of ego break as well. Mm. I mean, let's be honest. Like, you know, <laughs> I was a fashion designer. I've dressed Tony Braxton. I've been, a, you know, in Women's Wear Daily and on the cover of Apparel News. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm shutting down that aspect of my life. And I had, like, all of these moments where I was like, am I a failure?
2: Ah, man. Like, yeah, that's, that's It's, yeah, it's good.
1: pivoting does pivoting mean that i've failed and that i'm a bad person and that i didn't achieve what i wanted to
2: Hmm. and then you change you you change your mindset for that for sure
1: oh yeah totally i mean it took a lot of like meditation a lot of tears a lot of like breakdowns (laughs) and like really redefining what it meant to me and what it looked like to be successful
2: you know you were saying heartbreak and you said you dressed Tony braxton and i couldn't help but play hum um uh, unbreak my heart song i was like oh that's heartbreak (laughs) you should have played that (laughs) but uh (laughs) but you know i i um yeah i'm uh, side note i'm very corny so i would say random things like that sometimes so be warned (laughs) That
1: never even crossed my mind like i i I don't know but but, yeah that The Tony Braxton thing was such like a magical kind of surprise and it actually came after I shut down my fashion brand so this has also been the other thing like three days after I shut down my fashion brand I got called from Project Runway Oh, so it's I've had all these things along the way as well where I feel like the universe also has been testing me as well Hmm. of like okay well you say you want this new thing like you say you want to move in this direction and that, that that has more power for you right now but like fashion's looking a little shiny still like are you sure are you sure your heart's not here are you sure this isn't what you want Hmm. and so i've had a few moments too where i've like doubled back and been like am i making the wrong decision like was shutting down my fashion brand really what i was supposed to do
2: have you ever thought that? have you ever thought that you know even though you shut down a fashion brand and you get this fashion opportunities that there's a way to tie it in
1: yeah, you know, I have kind of still, I'm doing a few things. I'm making actually two wedding dresses right now, For but they're like two really good friends of mine. Right. And so I've been just saying yes selectively right now. And honestly, I can, I intuitively sense that my fashion brand will come back and will be integrated into this lifestyle brand that I'm building.
0: Right.
1: Um, but right now I'm still feeling super jaded and I'm just not ready to look back at this point there was a bunch of footage that was taken of me for a pilot um about a year and a half ago and the guy sent me the pilot and i emailed him back and i was like thank you so much and i'm so grateful but um i can't watch it (sighs) and i felt really bad but i was like i'm not ready i'm not ready to look back yet yes i'm just not at that point
2: that's good i mean you know stay looking forward this um the reason I brought that up and the tie it in is because I was recent, recently reading one of your Huffington Post articles. It was called Redefine Your Def, uh, Definition of Beauty. Yes. And I, I love the points you were making. You know, you talk about the self-image, constantly bombarded from um, every angle, you know, fashion and media industry, you know, telling you not beautiful enough. And, and I, with the interview, uh, when I was, was going to interview you, I wanted you to sort of touch in on that because it, it ties into that women empower, empowerment thing that you're, you're you know, you an ambassador for, but you also want to feel feminine while you're doing what you're doing. Um, yeah. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah. So for me, like in diving into the Inspirational Woman Project, you know, I had to kind of go through everything first before mm-hmm. I could support these women in doing the same. And so for me, defining what it means to me to be a woman and defining what that place of beauty is for me has definitely been a combination of strength and vulnerability and so I feel like that is you know we all have aspects of you know the masculine energy and the feminine energy within us but how do we balance that out as women and especially women entrepreneurs and women in business because we're really taught and celebrated to be masculine and so it's kind of taking that shift of you know beauty for so long for women in business has been a really strong, powerful kind of pushing masculine energy. But what if we could soften into being women and coming from a place of femininity and vulnerability and having that be just as powerful as that strong masculine pushing. And so that's kind of, and that kind of encompasses everything I do. It encompasses, you know, the two women's movements I run. It encompasses the coaching. That's really where I was coming at with my fashion brand as well, and who I strive to be on a daily basis, mm. and then kind of helping encourage and inspire that in other women.
2: Okay, okay. it's good. And uh, that's, yeah, I mean, you're such a good interview, because you you make my segue so much easier. Because inspiring, <laughs> inspiring other women leads me to 12 life lessons from inspirational women. Now, I'm going to go through, on, through the 12 steps that you, you wrote down, but mm-hmm. it's all in the same vein. You, you know, you talk about inspiring other women, and... For the first, for the number 12, I'm going downwards. Uh, you said it's okay for others to underestimate you. Yeah. Why? Why?
1: Um, because then you get to come at it with an element of surprise. I think women want to kind of be a little bit more literal and have everything like, oh, uh, how am I going to put this into words? Um I think there's something to be said for the element of surprise. I think if someone looks at you and and thinks that they see the totality of you and you kind of slide in this surprise element, it throws people off their game. Yeah. And then you can come in and kind of just like like Ronda Rousey does. I don't know if you watch MMA. I've only seen her fight once. But, man, it was so powerful. Just like the element of surprise. And then she totally knocked her on the ground within like 10 seconds of the, of the fight. Yeah, and yeah. I was just like, that's so cool that you – when you're underestimated, you almost have the upper hand. I feel like
2: you know. It's funny. And I feel like
1: women can be underestimated a lot very easily.
2: Absolutely. And you know what's funny with the Ronda Rousey analogy is that that happened to her because she just lost. To uh, yeah, yeah, and it, it I was didn't
1: see that fight. But I wish I, I should go back and watch it.
2: Oh yeah, no, it's, uh, the vines will, will catch you up. All the vines. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was such an you know she was an overwhelming favorite, and then everybody was like, "Who is this boxer? This coming into MMA? Who is she?" and it wasn't the fourteen second takedown. It was a couple of rounds, and she was rattled in the first few rounds, and then out of nowhere, it kicked to the head, and Ronda Rousey goes down, and his underdog comes that. But she was underestimated through the whole thing, and all of a sudden, it shifted. The narrative yeah. shifted. It was like, whoa, look at Holly Holm. This is what she's, you know. But it's it's what you're saying. You surprise people, and people are like, people now started to take notice of her background more even though they should have done that before. They're like, you know, she's actually faced different types of fighters. It makes more sense how she would win, blah, blah, blah. But before that, it was like, no, no, no. This is incumbent. This is how yeah. it is. And that, I think, plays into what you're saying is maybe a person thinking a woman can't do this. You're just a woman. And then, you know, you, you allow that to be your advantage because when you actually over-deliver, it's like, oh.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um,
2: and And then you say never underestimate yourself, which is very key. I love this point. But... Yeah. That's,
1: you know, so much of what I do with my private clients is the inner game stuff. In fact, I just had a coaching call with my group this morning and, you know, one of them was saying, like, I don't feel like I've accomplished as much because I've been focusing so much on the inner stuff. And I think people, people underestimate the amount of inner game that's required to be successful.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's not stuff you can check off a list. It's not stuff you can tangibly touch and say, I did that but without that like if you're underestimating yourself you're not going to make make it where you want to make it in life there's mm-hmm. no way and so the power in knowing what you're capable of and knowing what you can create in the world is key yeah absolutely yeah. key
2: you have to believe in yourself uh, before you can actually help anyone and and that's it, you know that's <laughs> once you believe that there's no there's you know very few things that can bring you down um and i i learned that myself yeah. because I, I was that awkward teenager growing up but then i i came to accept who i was all my corniness and all and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's it's been easier um so so why then why is playing it safe not an option
1: for me you know and I, I can't speak for all women because it's, it's different for all women. But for me, playing it safe has never been an option. Like, I almost stayed. So I grew up in the Midwest. I almost stayed in Minnesota and didn't go back to Italy for my for my grad school option.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, and I was really lucky. You know, my mom was able to kind of turn the mirror on me and make me look at the fact that Minnesota was never my destiny, ever. Yeah. And, uh you know, playing it safe and staying somewhere where I could basically just survive instead of thrive was just never in my cards. And so I have gone out of my way to make sure that I'm being uncomfortable often and frequently because I know that's when my biggest impact uh, comes in the world is when I'm uncomfortable. So
2: Don't survive, thrive. Love that. And yeah. I, I often say you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable uh, if you really want to succeed because there are going to be many naysayers, many people that say, well, why are you doing that? And the real reason is, you know, a lot of times people are afraid of, of taking that limp. And I, I think it's interesting the shift that happens as we grow older. You know, when we're younger, we can achieve anything in the world. We believe mm-hmm. we can be anything. We're like, I'm going to be an astronaut. I'm going to be a superhero. I'm going to fly. You know, mm-hmm. you, are, are, you just have the, no idea of what limits are. And as you grow yeah. older, there's, there's, something, there's something called realistic. Uh, you get, oh, well, that's not realistic. Yeah, it's not. And then you start to buy into that more and more. And then you, mm-hmm. you, all those ambitions you had earlier seem to be like, you know, they go to the wayside. So I, I think a lot of us fall into that category. So it's, it's a few of us that actually stand up and say, you know, what? No, I'm actually going to dare to do this. Um, I don't know what's yeah. going to happen, but playing safe. And believe is, me, yeah,
1: there have been moments where I have wanted to, like, maybe I should just get a job. Yeah. I mean, I face it just like everyone else does. Yeah. Just like everyone else does. Mm. And I don't know, I don't necessarily think it's that it goes away. I think it's really standing in your conviction and, again, having that inner game to be able to stay on course and really see through whatever it is. that you want for your life. No,
2: you're right. I mean, I, I've had the same thing. And you know, I often say 2015, hardest year of my life, but also the best year of my life just because I've mm-hmm. learned so much. But it's, it's and, and there's no doubt, the allure of stability, allure of, uh, you know, a certain amount of income every month is, is great. And, you know, especially during times when you have <laughs> lean, lean months. But sometimes for me, I would get an email just at the nick of time when I'm, I'm I'm feeling like at my lowest. An email saying like a page or so saying why listening to one of the interviews or something I produced helped them at that time, and then yeah. it becomes all worth it. Simon Sinek always says, uh, "Know your why," and, then, and it, I don't. I feel like if you're not strong in your conviction of why you're doing what you want to do, then it would be very uh, you know easy to go to waver. So, but totally. I love the point you're making. It's it's. We're saying this not to say that if you don't dare to be different that you you know, you're weak because every a lot of entrepreneurs, the majority of entrepreneurs shouldn't be fooled by the success stories you see on Forbes or Fortune magazine. Most entrepreneurs do fail. But it's it's you know, they're also most entrepreneurs are also serial entrepreneurs. <laughs> because they've learned from from the previous ones and and it, and it, it just goes on to you know, to you being willing to, to do something and learn from that uh, life. So always the best uh, teacher of that kind of things. So, yeah. Um, oh, your next point is amazing. I love this because I, I told you the mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. You say embrace your differences. It is OK to be different. Why is it OK to be different?
1: Well, I mean, if you think about it, especially for the entrepreneurs that are listening, like you don't want to be like everyone else because if your, if your message is the same as everyone else's message, why would people choose you? (laughs) Like, like the, you know, it's, I, one of the things I always say is, you know, it takes all kinds. Yeah. Like if we were all, if we all wanted to be like garbage collectors, if every single person on the planet wanted to be a garbage collector, can you imagine what kind of planet we'd live on?
2: Yeah. That yeah, it would be very uh very boring. <laughs>
1: yeah. Or like if we all if we all had the same belief systems, like how boring would that be? I mean, the spice of life is that people are different than you. And honestly, like when people challenge me my beliefs, I think it's some of the best times because for me, not just having the beliefs, but being able to back them up and really identify why I believe them and like you Support them and like stand up for them to someone else is like some of the coolest. I don't know. I just, I love that part of being alive because, you know, being passionate about what I'm passionate about and then em- not only embodying it, but defending it to other people. I just, I don't know. I think it's great. Wow.
2: Yeah, I think you, I think you, you, um, Elucidated that very perfectly. And, and that's just it. You got to embrace your difference. You got to accept that. And it, it's, there's no, um, no two people are the same. We're 7 billion people in the world. It would be such an effort to try and be like the rest of the world. I mean, other yeah. than be you. I always, yeah, I look at myself in the mirror every morning and I say I want to be the, the next you. <laughs> That's what yeah. I always say.
1: <laughs> well, the, and I think, too, like, we're really taught in our culture to, to not celebrate differences. You know, yes. oh, you're Republican or I'm Democrat yes. or yes. you're this or I'm that and we can't be friends and blah, 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 blah. But, like, what would happen if we all accepted each other? for those differences. Like even just for the sole fact of like, we have different political beliefs. And because of that, I respect you more.
0: Yeah. I. Wouldn't
1: I, that be amazing? It would be,
2: it's the best way. I the whole reason UID media came about always in this podcast is on my media platform is my, my honest belief is that in order to build the next set of global leaders, you have to know how to communicate across cultures and think outside the box. Mm-hmm. But if you can't communicate across the differences and you're not going to be, be able to do anything. Because if you feel like everything should be this way, every mindset should be this way, every worldview should be one way, it becomes such a dangerous environment. Uh, because, you know, then you, you, you subject yourself to stereotypes, you subject yourself to ignorance, mm-hmm. and that is a dangerous way to grow up because you're you breeding a whole new set of generation that are not educated the right way, and they just think it has to be a certain way. And, you know, yep. like I said, it takes away from the spice of life, it takes away from growth opportunities, and, and doesn't allow you to be the best of who you can actually be which is the best version of yourself. So, yes. Yeah, look at that, look at that. I, 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 um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, loving this. I'm loving this. Then this this other one, this is what we see every day. Um, you see a lot of shaming, if it's slut shaming, women shaming, I mean, it's just like many things. Like I see all this um, on the news all the time, but you say there's nothing better than women supporting women. The reason that I said yeah. a little shaming is because I'm on Twitter, I'm on social media, and I see a bunch of, you know, women going to women, men going to men. I mean, just either way from any gender, any sex. But it's like there's always um, some of my, my female friends always tell me, Tayo, it's not the men that I'm always worried about. It's the other women in my workplace. Um, but, you know, yeah. why do you say? I mean, a, I think, yeah,
1: I, I think going back to the thing that I said earlier about the Republicans and the Democrats, like women are taught to see differences in each other. And really kind of like attack and create like a divide between each other. Like mm. that's kind of, I feel like the energy that has been going on that we've, like at least my generation, you know, has been raised in. And I do feel like it's shifting. You know, like I said, I, I run two women's movements. And part of our our missions for both of them are really getting women to build community together. And really coming from an abundant place of there is more than enough for everyone in the world. You know, I think we look at at other, and not not just women. I mean, everyone does this. We look at other people and we're like, well, if they're successful, that means I can't be successful because there's only so much success in the world, Mm -hmm. which is nonsense, right?
2: (laughs) It is nonsense. So
1: what if, you know, we all got together and supported each other and referred, you know, business to each other and like one person can't do it all. And like we said earlier, you know, differences, variety. Like even if I do a similar thing to someone else, we don't do it the same way. My business partner for um, the one women's movement I run, she's also a, a, a coach. So we're both coaches. We don't compete with each other. We empower each other. If someone doesn't work for my program, I refer them to her. Yeah. You know, like there's no there's no lack of clients. There's no lack of business. There's no lack of love there's like i don't know i just i feel like if if we were to all come together in support of one another i think the world could be a radically different place and so part of what i'm trying to do especially with these two women's movements is cultivate that kind of mentality and that kind of you know living and abundance and all that stuff
2: no i'm so with you uh and um and i love that you're saying that because it's it's true Uh, um If if staying with women and powerful women, my mom, in my opinion, is the most, uh, is the strongest woman I know. You believe moms are awesome.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Elaborate.
2: (laughs) I mean, I'm sure we're going to compete about who's the best mom, but still. My mom's awesome, your mom's awesome. Why are moms awesome?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, I think really, you know, like I said a little bit earlier, I was raised by two very strong women. You know, I was raised in an environment where, you know, my dad had partial custody, but he he should not have. You know, in the 80s, they gave custody to, you know, oh, you're, you're genetically related. Oh, custody granted, you know. <laughs> so, you know, my mom not only had to raise me, but she also had to battle the court system to right. keep me safe and protect me. And, you know, there's a lot, I, I haven't ever come out and talked about this a lot, but, like, my dad kidnapped me on the first day of kindergarten.
2: Whoa. Whoa.
1: Yeah. And back, but back then, it wasn't called kidnapping. Huh. Back then, he had partial custody of me. So when my mom called the cops, they're like, there's nothing we can do about it. So I think, you know, my mom, you know, we can, like you said, all sit and argue about who mom, whose mom is, is greater <laughs> or whatever. But I think the, the respect that I have for my mom is not just in raising a daughter as well as she did, but also raising a daughter in a time where she also had to stand up for her rights as a mother. Yeah. And my rights as a being.
2: No, no. Um, moms, I always say this, moms are the original CEOs and COOs, right? <laughs> no, they yeah. really are. I mean, honestly, if you yeah. think about the job title of a CEO, or COO, chief operating officer, they have to manage so many things. And my mom yeah. it's a big part of my, you know, my, my dad's a diplomat, so we always travel in different parts. And the amount of sacrifices that she she, she made for us just so that we could have you know, a good a good sense of family structure, family balance, understanding what values are, what a true man should be. She raised three boys. I'm the oldest of three boys, so that's oh, wow. that's, that's hard enough. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but you know, you know, there wasn't you know, there wasn't any, any girl in the family, and she would always tell us just what it was like, you know, to be a man in the world. And um and you know, even now when I was just there for Thanksgiving, I always say, you know, <laughs> you know, thank you to her for all that. But it's yeah. I think you're right. Moms are awesome. We should definitely celebrate them as much because I think it definitely gets underestimated. Uh, Many times, you know, we think about it only during Mother's Day. But I think uh, you saying what you're saying is so powerful because I I hate when women are marginalized. And and if you think about it, everybody came from a woman. So you, you can't really... Start saying that. <laughs> so, um, and
1: I, I think too, like, part of the respect I have for my mom as well is that, like, I'm a pretty strong person. Like, I'm, and I always have been ever since I was little. And she is one of the few people that can, like, put me back in my place.
0: Mm-hmm. And she's still,
1: <laughs> you know, I'm 32 years old. She's still, and at the same time, she's really soft with me and she inspires me. Like, every year she puts together uh, a custom, um, Countdown to Christmas. What are those called? The uh, the, uh, the 25 days oh the twenty five days. days. Yeah,
2: yeah. I know what you're saying. I, I forget the uh, advent days. calendars. Yes,
1: the advent calendars. And so this year, she made me one, and every single day is um, an inspirational something or a reminder. Yesterday's was my name and the meaning of my name, hmm. and she, you know, she she puts me in the, my place and at the same time inspires me in my greatness every day.
2: What is the meaning of your name?
1: Um, so my full name is actually Brianna yeah. and it means strong or noble.
2: Wow. My my full name is Akintayo, and it means a warrior as Brothers Joy. I
1: love that. <laughs> so wow, yeah. It, I, it, I mean, this is a whole nother a whole nother subject, but I feel like there's something to our names, you know? Like yeah. like I, I I've had a really hard time seeing myself as royalty for a really long time, but Mm -hmm. two years ago, I got a tattoo, and I didn't even know that, I don't even know if I knew my name meant royalty, Mm -hmm. but I got a tattoo that says La Regina, which means the queen in Italian, Mm. because that's kind of like the energy that I want to be embodying in my everyday life.
2: Gotcha, I gotcha. So. Well, I mean, I you know, I got to be honest, once, once we got on the call, I, I felt uh, humbled because I, I was, I was in, the, in the midst of royalty, so I knew that. I knew that, oh. I, I knew that yeah. so, you know. <laughs>
1: well, you definitely have warrior energy, too. I, I really, truly think that there is something <laughs> that gets, like, imprinted on us, even uh-huh. without us knowing, Yeah. you know, in regards to our names, yeah. so I think
2: it's kind of cool. I, <laughs> and to wrap up all your points here, it's, you said celebration is key. I am mm. a bad celebrator. I'm learning this year. That was one of my goals, and I'm doing that more and more. Um, I often get so into my head, especially as an entrepreneur and someone that's an older yeah. older brother, because you, you know everybody. You just I just want to do stuff with my other my family, brothers, friends, and I just get in there. And if I ever win, I, I just go on to the next one. But yep. it's it's key. You say so. Why? It's
1: oh my gosh! It's so important. I believe that celebration begets celebration. Mm. So I've actually started celebrating before I've even achieved anything. Oh. Because, like I said earlier, you know, I teach, I teach people to come from their futures. I teach people to figure out what you want in the future and how to embody that now. And the more you can embody it now, the more likely it will happen. Gotcha. Like that the results that you seek will actually happen. And so I had a, uh, November had Female Entrepreneur Day in it. And so my business partner and I hosted a party for 100 female entrepreneurs. And we, the whole theme of it was just to celebrate, like celebrate how freaking awesome we are. And so my, my goal for the month of November was to get up every morning and celebrate my day before it had even happened. Oh. Because I believe that being in that energy of celebration makes everything you do that day even more powerful and even more likely to produce phenomenal results.
2: No, I love you. It's, it's that sense of visualization uh, and yeah. just seeing it before it ha- it happens. And, and you know, there's definitely some truth to to that happening because it's, you know, once again, it helps with that. You're believing in yourself, seeing that and uh, embracing that. So, well, that's good.
1: Yeah. You've been. at Something. I think that it's something that we're just not taught either. So, like. I'm also an older sibling, so my baby sister messaged me the other day. She's now becoming an entrepreneur, and she had registered her domain. She got all her social media handles. She got all her stuff done with the state, and she she's getting ready to leave the country, and she said, is there anything else I need to do before I leave? And I said, yes, there's something very important that you need to do. You need to celebrate. (laughs) And she she said, well, I don't really have time. And I said, I don't care. Make the time. I said, whatever it is, even if it's you right now going upstairs and pouring yourself an inch of champagne, I don't care what it is, but you need to take the time to celebrate before you leave town because most entrepreneurs don't even get to the point that you've gotten to.
2: Yeah. No, your sister so, is like celebrate. me. Your sister is exactly like me. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm so bad at that. It's it's, it's uncanny. But, um, uh, but I'm learning, that, and that's good. You've mentioned your, your movement a lot uh, throughout the conversation. Can you tell the audience what it is, uh, maybe how they can get involved? uh... Yeah,
1: so the Inspirational Woman Project uh, started as a coffee table book and basically we believe that every single woman is inspirational. Every woman. And it's our mission to tell their stories. So the first book has 99 interviews with women around the world talking about why they love being women, why they're inspirational in the world. Um, and what it means to them to be a woman, plus a few other things, like what their superpowers are and what their mantras are. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the 100th interview in the book is actually blank, because, like I said, as we believe that every single woman is inspirational, it gives every woman the opportunity to be and take their place as an inspirational woman in the book. And so um, I'm now conducting 99 additional interviews for Volume 2, and we'll be doing 99 additional interviews after that for volume three. Um, and I host events periodically around to get my inspirational women together and really celebrate and and live in that inspirational place. Um, so that's one of them. The other one I run is called the Amplify Collective and we host uh, intimate gatherings and uh, we encourage women to show up as who they are as opposed to what they do. Wow. Uh,
2: one of the things you mentioned i love the superhero idea i i I call myself the african superman you know i'm nigerian uh and i I say it in just a lot but people always uh they always like oh ty you and your superhero stuff but i think it's very important to to see yourself as someone that has a superpower totally yeah and and um uh, so what is your superpower
1: oh what is my superpower i forget what i answered in the book Um, but just off the top of my head right now, what I would say is my superpower is vulnerability, um, because it allows me to connect with people on a deeper level. It allows me to be more present in my life and for my clients. Um, and I think that there's something that's been really underestimated about vulnerability for a really long time. Mm. Um, and I've posted about how it's a strength and I always get women saying, no, it's not, it's not a strength. Um. (laughs) But I really I think it's my superpower because I believe that it allows me to do what I do more powerfully than if I didn't have that.
2: I think it's a strength too, because you're not afraid to be vulnerable. Uh, many people yeah. are. Many people are.
1: Uh, especially as a man, yeah. for
2: example. Yeah. I look I'm, I'm the guy that will go to a walk to remember by himself in the cinema and still <laughs> I still shed a tear or two. So and still say I'm a man. But it, it, it is okay. Yep. It is completely okay. Um, yep. <laughs> you've traveled a bit, I gathered. Yep. What's your favorite yep. country? Favorite country.
1: Well, I'm I'm a, a very much a, um, uh, I hold on to like memories, like really powerful, positive memories, and mm. I'm a lot into. That's kind of what shapes my my existence. So, like, I drink red wine a lot, and yeah. part of the reason that I drink red wine is because I lived in Italy for two years. Mm. and I love coffee, I love espresso, and part of the reason I drink it is because I lived in Italy, and I learned how to drink it there, and so for me, Italy was a place that really shaped a lot of who I am today, Mm -hmm. um, and I, like, I can't overlook it, like, I joke that part of, like, part of my heart still lives in Florence, um, (laughs) <laughs> and so, you know, it might be a dirty city, it might be an old city, it might be all these things, but there's so much growing and learning and love that happened for me in that city that yeah. I I don't know if it will always be on top of my list, but for the past 10 years, it definitely has been.
2: No, no, I know what you mean. It's the same way. I'm So I grew up in five countries, four continents. So I was always traveling. Um, and for me... Nigeria always has a home you know as a home in my heart and now people always ask me where's home? I'm like, you know, it's, it depends on what you're asking me because it's, it's it's several experiences And I feel like several pieces of me are, are in, in different places But you know even in the United States the New York City New York City where I live right now has been It's always been one of that that city that I always wanted to live in whether it was watching it from the movies or some of that but I always get some strange form of energy that I don't get anywhere else. Just to, to do something great, to, to perform, to meet. Uh, even though I hate the cold weather, I love I I, <laughs> I love the dirt, the, the 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 just the hustle and bustle of it. And I could definitely identify with having that feeling that you can't physically describe, but it's just yeah. in there and it has a, an, a, an impact on you. So, all right. New so, York
1: City has been in my heart even before I ever went to New York. Me I too. Me too. And I have not yet been. There's something about it that concurrently energizes me and terrifies me. And I really, really, really would love. When I was deciding where to move, from, when I was moving from Seattle, Mm -hmm. it was between New York and L.A. Wait, you haven't been to New York yet? No, no, no. I've been. I went went the first time. I think I was like 17 was the first time I went. But even before that, I always knew that I loved it. And my mom was like, you haven't even been there. Like, you don't. You don't know you love it. And I was like, no, 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 but I love it.
2: I love it. And
1: uh, <laughs> I really see myself being bicoastal at some point in New York. But also, after 21 winters in Minnesota, I'm so over, like I can't. Well, so I will be bi-coastal in that I'll live in LA in the summer, or in the winter. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> and I'll live in New York in the summer.
0: There
2: you go. There you go. <laughs> Although it, this year, it is so weird. I feel like we're well, being teased. It hasn't felt like winter for a long time. I,
1: I was watching the Macy's parade and everyone was like, you know, I was in Minnesota and it was yeah. like 40 degrees and everyone's like, "Oh, it's 65 in New York." Yeah. And I was like, "What? What why? Why yeah. couldn't I have been I want to be there. Yeah. I want to be in Minnesota." Because the
2: last 2 years the winter has been devastating. And I know it doesn't compare yeah. it doesn't compare to Minnesota. I know that, but it for, for me as an African <laughs> oh, It's already cold. But
1: uh, I don't miss it. I don't miss it. But this year, I'm so
2: afraid that we're gonna have winter till June. <laughs> so Possibly. I'm, I'm not even excited. I'm not like thinking, oh my goodness, it's 65 today. I'm thinking, what about my summer? My spring? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking about that. So we'll see. Maybe it's just gonna be a white Christmas for the first time in a long time. We'll see. But, uh, sure. but yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So the last question I have here, before I ask people where they can find you, is. How do you use your difference to make a difference? Great.
1: Um, so I think really, as I mentioned before, that vulnerability and also, like, that is my difference, but also my ability to see possibility in other people. So, you know, getting people to connect with the possibility in their life and living from that place, I think is really, you know, like I've talked about a few times, we're, we're kind of taught to go from our current perspective and build from our current perspective. Yeah. But I fully believe what if you can build from the perspective of your future? Gotcha. What if you can kind of concurrently build backwards to be that person now? And so, between that and my vulnerability, I think is really how I, I impact positive change in other people's lives.
2: Good. You know, you should really think about being a, a, a rapper or a poet. You know, you said ability, <laughs> ab- ability to see possibility. Don't th- uh, thrive, don't survive. I mean, you've got you've got the rhyming down, so you just need to put it out. But
1: but the- I wish that was one of my skills. I so respect the people that can do that. I love rap music, but man, I am not that girl. <laughs> You're yeah, not
2: that. Yeah. That could be a whole a whole different podcast. But um, all right. So where, where can we find out uh, more about you in social media, and maybe we can see some of your rap taste on, with your tweets. <laughs>
1: Uh, I am. I think the most my most favorite social media platform is Instagram. I'm obsessed with Instagram, and so my Instagram is I am Bree Seely. That's B R I S S and Sam E E L E Y. Um, but you can also find me on Twitter at Bree Seely, on Facebook backslash The Inspirational Woman Project. Mm-hmm. Um And my website is just brecely dot com
2: boom we'll get that all in the show notes and we'll make sure we get more people to uh to check you out and uh, I've had so much fun during this interview i my best interview is awesome My favorite interview is when i 'm having a conversation with person. I felt like we had a conversation yeah. so i I, I love totally. so,
1: and laughter i love like I love laughing on podcasts and stuff that yeah. I, the synergy was great, so thank you so much
2: <laughs> well, thank you thank you for being so kind and thank you for you know taking time out of your royal schedule. Uh, queen, to, 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 you know, to talk to me so I uh, appreciate that <laughs> I
0: love that <laughs> you've just been listening to the Ass Tall by Nomads podcast for more ways to use your difference to make a difference as well as for show notes head over to www.uidmag.com till next time go out and make an impact in your world